Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. excited what God is doing with this church at this time. And as we land this amazing series, Behold and Be Bold, I've realized, I, I watch, it seems like quite an art now, how if you've got a blog or a Facebook page, how you describe yourself is like, you are judged on your self-description. Some people are going for the long one. It's like you're scrolling down three minutes later, you're still in there, studied here, worked here, did this, when you're 17 schools. It's like, how many things do you need in that profile? And some people, it's the art of simplicity, kind of just three succinct words with well-placed full stops say everything, like it's all there. Who am I? It's all there. (laughs) That's it, all there. And if I had to have three words, one of them that wouldn't have been there months ago would have this word, beholder. It's kind of old school, not really in some of the new translations, more King James and I'm not really that guy. But as I've got into this word and I've understood what it means to behold the king, to give undivided attention to the king of kings, to be captivated like John was as he saw in the first time, he couldn't even describe him, he was so spectacular. I think maybe right now if I was distilled down to three words, one or two would have to fall away and I'd have to say I'd want to be known as a beholder. Because I think beholders tell testimonies, beholders tell stories, beholders keep their eyes on the king. I love that testimony. And you know what the church is? The church is a people of faith. We are believers. And we only believe because the Spirit of God has put faith inside of us to believe, to walk a journey of faith. And the church is full of stories. Didn't really mean to spit on you, Kelly. It wasn't like I chose you and I said, this is the moment. I apologize. You're okay. Lee, just stay calm. Just relax. But it's, it's, we are a community of faith. You know how we stay that? We behold Him. You know what the challenge of the church is? Success. The challenge of the, the church is the opposite of what we have now in our economy. The opposite. That's the toughest time for the church. You know when the church thrives? When we're in recession like we are now. There's a giant called recession in our nation and in our world right now. And it's the time for the church to choose. Who will you behold? So it's, what, what's the date? The 26th? What happens in and around the 24th, 5th? Payday. Who's beheld their bank account the last two days? Honestly, who's beheld their bank account? You've just given it a little bit of undivided attention because no one wants to look at it on the 21st. (laughs) Like You don't behold your bank account on the 20th. But come the 25th and and some of the entrepreneurs get paid whenever. It's like, no, different. I see that face, Jen. And... um, and, uh, (laughs) But actually, for for salary earners, we become into a world structure that says you get paid then. So what happens? Emotions up and down. And that time of the month, emotions are happy. People are happy. People are out. They're out in the world. They're spending money. You know what I've experienced? It's no different in the church. Unfortunately. Why? Why? Because the beholders of Jesus, who have been captivated by the King of Kings, are often caught up in beholding. I'm really not aiming for you. They are caught up in beholding the wrong stuff. 
We are beholders. Whether it's Jesus, our bank account, whether it's our, our physique in the mirror, whether it is what someone says about us, I am a beholder of all these things. And that beholding determines what I will be bold in. And so, yes, there's money in the bank account, so I behold my bank account. Let me explain generosity because it's very different in the Bible. Generosity in world terms is there's money, so I've beheld my bank account, and my bank account says, actually, you can be bold. But biblical generosity is when my bank account says, actually, there's nothing. Boldness says, I chuck into the resources of heaven and who my father is, and when it doesn't make sense in earthly dynamics, I tuck into him. And I know that's a struggle for many people, especially in recession. The church is so easy when it's non-recession, guys. I'll be honest. God's saying, actually, will you stay men and women who will behold me? Will you be captivated me to such a degree that I can take you on journeys from wimps like Peter? The apostle Peter, he was a wimp. Literally a wimp. He chickened out from a little girl. He becomes this guy who preaches and he gets crucified upside down because he would not back down. Does that sound like a guy who would back down to a little girl? No. What happened? He saw the risen king and everything changed and then the spirit of God filled him. Poof. And he becomes an atomic weapon for the kingdom of God. God wants to do the same with you and I. This is not some motivational conversation. This is the truth of the gospel. It fundamentally changes who I am. On my own, I am insecure. On my own, I'm scared of what people think. On my own, I'm many things. But in Jesus, everything changes. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it changes because I see him. He is a self-revealing God who reveals himself to you and I because he's that good. He's just good. He's good. Do you know that God is good? It's not, oh, that's the prosperity, guys. We've got to suffer. The Bible says, I'm not a believer unless I suffer. Yes, it does say that. But on the other side, it actually says, you're a son, and though the fathers on earth can give good gifts, how much more the Father in heaven? I'm not shouting at you. I'm just very excited. The problem is too much of the church is worshiping this monarch that comes in like a hand-waving little English monarch. Hello, guys. I'm Jesus. That's not Jesus. Yes, he's the lamb. Yes, he's the one that was the seed inside of a woman's womb. He's all of those things. But when I look at the end of the story, he is the rider on the white horse with a serious wording that I think is a tattoo on his leg called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is righteous, he is strong, he is powerful, and he's not backing down for anyone. See, when, when Jesus is this, it's easy to just do our own thing. Well, he'll go with it. Jesus is the rider on the white horse. And I want to jump into a story and skip through a few things. It's the story where God has got his people on the precipice of something amazing, their inheritance, the promised land. It's, it's they're on the edge of it. They've been journeying in the desert for 40 years. Oh, another hill, a mountain. Oh, yay, more sand. They're journeying in all this thing. And God brings them to a place. Oh, Moses, boom. And now it's Joshua. Who's Joshua? 
Joshua was just the young guy who sat near the tent. It says, as they were speaking of Moses, they were speaking of Joshua. And, and you want to know Joshua's? Exodus 33. Big Mo, he's the man. Moses is the guy. And he's the guy who led God's people. God called him out into a big story. He didn't want it. And he goes on this journey with God because in those days God spoke to an individual who then spoke to the people. But, but God speaks to Moses, and it's this story in Exodus 33. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. See, we can have that now. No, Mark. No, no, no. no. The veil's gone. It's gone. As one speaks to a friend, then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Who was Joshua? Why would he become this leader? I, I don't think he was the hand-up guy. I'm the leader. Look at me. He was just the guy who sat outside the tent of the presence of God. And when others left the tent and got on with camp business and they're sticking in tent pegs there and they're fixing water systems there and they're trying to harvest water from the atmosphere and they're doing all clever things, Joshua was the guy who sat next to the tent. Just the young aide who sat next to the tent. And it's that guy who God takes on a journey. It's that guy. When the people are standing on the precipice of something amazing, God says, I want that guy to lead my people. Why? Because he knows me. He knows me. You know the problem with myself? I'm ruined. I'm ruined. I'm ruined for a life without Jesus. I'd be useless at it. Because I've seen too much. Daniel, come here, boy. Come here. No, you don't have to be sorry. <laughs> I want to tell you something. Come here. Please come here, boy. Come to dad. Daniel, you're not in trouble. Just come. <laughs> come here. Let me tell you about this little guy. Come here. So this little guy who is holding and worship, this is Daniel. He's been a massive blessing. And um, this is my boy. Come here. Say <laughs> it. Okay, this is my boy. You know who this little boy was? Diagnosed as a Down syndrome child. Seen too much. You know who this little boy was? Nearly drowned in our pool because dad had to leave early to go preach. Seconds away. Seconds away. Tell you about Judah. A miracle baby. Where a specialist himself said, This is a miracle. Because I could give you the details, and if it was just ladies here, maybe I'd give you the details. But Judah's a miracle. I've seen too much. I've seen deaf men come in for prayer for their deafness and get healed of their insulin-dependent diabetes at the same time. I've seen too much. I'm ruined for a life without Jesus. You can go back, buddy. Say bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, well. I'm ruined for a life without Jesus. I, I, whoa. Don't worry. If he can survive, he'll be okay. That's what comes with faith. But I'm ruined for a life without staying in a place of old. I'm ruined. I'm ruined. I can't 
I, I, like people, I watch people get completely worlds apart because Brexit happens, and I'm going, yes, I understand the problem, but why? Maybe that's oversimplistic. Maybe that's, you know what? You know who I was? I was a 14-year-old kid who realized very early on he had a very loud voice and became so insecure about it that I realized the only place I could stand in church and not affect people around me was on the front left of church and I'd sing to the wall so that no one else would hear me. But I worshiped God. I didn't want to be a worship leader. I didn't want profile. I didn't want anything. I just had encountered the king. I'm ruined for other stuff. Joshua was ruined for other stuff. And God says, you boy, young man, now 40 years old or whatever his age was, I want you to lead my people. And he's going, across what? You want me to take people who've been in the desert for 40 years? Just think about that for a second. Take a people who haven't swum in 40 years across a flooding river. We've got to think about these Bible stories. They haven't swum, and, and how often is it God asks you to do something? Well, it's just not, I don't want to, it's not, I probably can't, it's I can't swim. And God says, cross a flooding river. God, can't we wait two weeks until the flood goes away? No, you don't understand, God, I can't swim. And God says, no, you don't understand, I am the God of the miraculous. We've got to allow the gospel and these stories of life, they aren't just stories that Christians know. How many Bible stories do you know? It's life-giving. Life-giving. Courage-building stories. Tyler's testing me. Courage-building stories. And they've got this challenge, and, 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 and the first thing that starts in this amazing story is, I want to just make a point, it's not about who we are. So the first point is, it's about who God is. You want to break? Do you want to step into a bold story? I don't want to just preach boldness like it's something that you, you latch onto who you are. Oh, Mark, obviously you're bold. You're a leader in the church. Boldness has got nothing to do with your ability to make money. Boldness has got nothing to do with your ability to be successful. Boldness has got nothing to do with your history. It's got nothing to do with your pedigree. It's got nothing to do with the caliber that the world sees in you. It's got nothing to do with anything about you, that. It's about who you choose to behold. So the first point, it's because of who God is in this journey. And, the, and before Joshua enters the fray, there's the situation, Moses, he's got to send some spies across into the land. And many of you would know the story, so I'm not going to spend hours here, but they send 12 in. 10 come back with this report. The land we explored devours those living in it. Great place to go on holiday, right there. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak coming from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Here's the challenge. They're still giants. They might not be the Nephilim. It might be recession. They might be politics, they might be opportunities that are, aren't there, they're still giants. And when we take our eyes off the one we are called to behold, David said, in the midst of battle, you enabled me to, you lifted my head above my enemies so I could see you. Is that some lovely story that we get to read and, and some poetic license we're given that, oh, that's so cool for David. 
How cool for David. Pity I'm not David. But David was a picture of Jesus. And I get to walk in the sonship that Jesus enabled me to walk in because of his blood. God lifts your head above your enemies. The problem is if you behold the giant. And by behold, I mean give undivided attention. Honestly, some people too many hours on social network reading news reports. And I, I, I visit a friend over here. He says, I, I just can't come back. I said, I know you can't, but because all you look at, all you ever read, all you ever send me from overseas is how bad South Africa is. It's called news, bud. What you behold will determine your boldness. And the problem is we want to behold, we want to be bold for Jesus, but we're beholding our idols. I want to do great things for Jesus. But the only thing I've got my eyes on are my children. So I can't do anything for Jesus. Honestly, guys, a real thing. And I know I'm speaking to a younger crowd, most who don't have kids. Good gifts become idols. And we stop seeing the giver. It's happened since the beginning of time. It's about, see, the only space in the world a grasshopper's ever been a big thing is in Kung Fu Panda. It's the only time a grasshopper's ever got a hero role that I know of. So when the problem is, when I see the giants, I start seeing myself as a grasshopper. How ridiculous is that? But two guys come back and they say, you know what, we've seen those same giants. We've also seen the milk and the honey and we see, we've seen our God in action. We must go. The second point is, it's because of what God told them. What has God told you? Oh, God hasn't spoken to me about my call. No, we live in a church world, can I just be honest, that's obsessed with our call. It's not about your call, sir or man. It's about who Jesus is, and what he does is he reveals who the son or the daughter inside of this frame is. And when we begin to walk, that's called our call. And in faith, I put foot in front of the other and I walk. But we're living in a church world that unfortunately is a world that is narcissistic and it's very much in the church and everyone is crippled. I don't know what I'm called to, so I'm just going to stay here and do nothing. Honestly, young people, please understand, as much as the gospel was 100% for you, it's not about you. It's about him. Can I be honest? Maybe that offends you. Maybe that's not the literature you're reading. I'm telling you, the gospel is all about the glory of the king of kings. It's actually not even about my happiness. It's about my becoming like Jesus. John Mark last week speaking, it's a journey to becoming like Jesus. One of the ways we become like Jesus is we take him at his word. And let me tell you, God has spoken over and over and over again, and it's right here. You want to know how to live your life and build your premise? I don't know whether I should do this or do this. No, read the word of God. Read the word of God. Allow the two-edged sword of the word of God to break into your life. And I promise you, on the other side of that, there is an inheritance and a promised land. But I really, really, really want to get to point number three because it's really, really good. <laughs> Even if I say so myself. Why can we be bold? Can we be bold? Because of what God has done. Let me tell you a story. 
the priests are walking, and it says, it's, it says they, they, these are priests who haven't swum in 40 years. Maybe they've swum before. They haven't swum in 40 years. Now they've got to carry the ark. Now they're going to walk through a river that's in flood. In flood, guys. I, I spent 13 years paddling rivers in flood, and I loved it, but I was in a boat, and I can swim. People haven't swum for years. Now they've got to carry an ark. It's not the best situation. What does the Bible say? It's only when their feet touched the water, the water started receding. How many of us are willing to put our feet in a flooding river before the water recedes? Or are we waiting for the water to recede first? The problem is we want what the Bible doesn't promise. The Bible says these guys had to put their feet into the flooding river as men who hadn't swum in 40 years, carrying a very heavy ark of God, and then the river begins to recede. But I want to read this. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, first point, you've got to break camp. What does break camp mean? It means change something. Change something. You're struggling with porn addiction? Change something. Get rid of your Wi-Fi, throw your cell phone in the, in the sea, do something. Start driving a different way to work. Do something. Break camp. It's not complicated. Oh, pastor, you don't know. I have to drive down Essenwood Road, which is like, it's in Durban. It's like this road with all fancy houses. I have to drive down Essenwood Road every day. And there are all these mommies in athletic wear. And sometimes I find myself driving around and doing the route again. I can't stop myself. Rubbish! There's a road this side of Essenwood and there's a road this side of Essenwood. They're not glamorous. They've got a lot of robots, but I don't care. Break camp. It's not complicated. It's just the gospel. The priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of him. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the sea of the Arabah was completely cut off. It's just something to catch you there. You see, most people live like, and, and the, the movies would play out, and the, all the kids' animations would play out that, that God separates the water, the people are standing, and God just goes, Whoa. So they start to walk. First problem. Second problem, the wave is here. And it's like this tunnel, corridor that they walk through. Most Christians live like that. Like, I'm going to walk in faith, but if I mess up, the water's right here and it could just devour me. My Bible says God gets so stuck in, he doesn't just stop the water. He gets in with all his might and begins to push it back. 20 miles. 32 kilometers, the king of kings, the father in heaven is so committed to his people, it said he pushes it back all the way back to where? What does it say? To Adam. Who's Adam? The beginning. The very start of all the mess. The very first time man sinned. God says, I, I know that you've sinned. I know that you inherited the sinful nature. I know all that stuff, but let me tell you who I am, and I'm going to reveal it once and forever, and I'm going to create a precedent that every believer can hold on to, that when my people are struggling, and the enemy is flooding them, and they cannot get across to the land that I want them to walk in, I will get stuck in, and I will get so stuck in, I will push it back all the way to the beginning. See, we get caught up with our eyes. That's just who we are. We struggle. We struggle. 
We struggle to get past what's in front of us. God knows that he made us. And I think God is so gracious. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to push it back 32 kilometers so you just can't even see the water. Wow! Mark, you don't know what I did last week. I don't know, sir, but I don't care because I worship the God who takes all your sin, all your shame, all the things you did do, and he pushes it back to Adam, to the beginning. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. That's how we can walk on dry riverbeds that previously we in flood. That's how Christians can walk with faith through recessions. That's how under pressure we can stand and hold on to the living God. Why? Because we worship the God who pushes the waters back to Adam. Have you ever tried to even block a stream? Have you ever tried? We tried on camp when we were camping in December. You can't even block a stream. Rock off the rock off the rock. Water keeps flying. You know how God is? God is the one who takes the waters that are flooding your life. Shame. Failure. Young people have got words of failure already over your life. It's not a trickle, it's a flood. Perfectionism. Fear of man. Words of a father. Letdowns of a friend. Failures of leaders. You know what the gospel is about? And God said, I'm going to do it once. As I took people on a journey, I'm going to do it at once. And in that journey, I'm going to reveal to you that I am the God who not only stops the waters, I'm going to push it all the way back to Adam. To the beginning. To before you knew, before you were able, before you could do anything about it. I'm that God. And what happens? The people begin to walk through. They walk on a riverbed that was impossible for people who could not swim. This is the gospel. I saw that line and I saw that reality and I thought, God, we miss it so often. You know when we miss it? When we take our eyes off Jesus. Why did God choose Joshua to lead his people? Was it his leadership skills, his pedigree, his years of training? I think it was one thing. He was the kid who would not leave the presence of God when others got on with other things. You want to be bold? Stop reading the seven ways to be bold. That's for the guys, for the ladies, the 27 ways to be bold. <laughs> Always more for the ladies. Stop reading men's health. Three ways to be a man. Stop reading the blogs of self-help and you can do it. You cannot do it, sir. You can't do it, man. And throw yourself at the feet of the king of kings who said, not only will I pull you out of darkness, I will take the flood that is flooding you. Right now, people here, you feel like you're drowning. You're drowning. Where am I going to go in life? Where's it going to land? And what happens? Fear begins to come in. Depression, anxiety, melancholy. I've got to work those extra three hours because what if my boss doesn't think I'm doing a good job? 
Is your boss your provider, sir or ma'am? Or is there a father in heaven, in heaven who takes the river all the way back to Adam? I love this. I, I'll give my life for this. I'll die for this. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ revealed to us before he even came. And we get to live in the fullness of the gospel because our Savior came. And he walked this earth. One last story and we finished. John the Baptist says that John the Baptist in his mother's womb, Elizabeth, she was a cousin of Jesus' mother, Mary. Sister or cousin? Cousin. He says, John was in the womb and, and Mary walked in pregnant with a one-month, two-month-old baby. How big is that? That big? Jesus was that big. And it says, John left in the womb. Go 30 years forward. John is the man. He's getting all the acclaim. Sometimes we get all the acclaim and we like it. We get all the attention. People think somehow we're at the middle of all of it. John is in this place. It's like God hasn't spoken in 400 years. Boom, John the Baptist. If there was social media, it would have all been there watching John in that river. And then someone begins to walk and John, his spirit jumps like it did in the womb. Behold, the Savior of the world who takes away the sins of the world. Is there a jump in you, sir or ma'am, when things are going well, that you would give that up? To give him glory. Because if you want to walk this journey and be bold for Jesus, and being bold for Jesus looks like a million things. For some of you, it's going to be starting businesses that give employment in a nation where there's not enough employment, paying fair wages. For some, it's just going to choose. I might not be earning a fair wage, but I'm going to pay the lady who helps me once a week in my home a fair wage. That's boldness. For some, it will be picking up the gifts that God has put inside of you, the faith, and laying hands on the sick again. For some, it's just making decisions to follow Jesus. You need boldness for that. We're going to take of the bread and wine. I'm going to hand over to Tyler. The only way, the only way is to behold him. The life lived up will be bold.